that we have uh, in front of us. God, we understand that it is an incredible gift. And so, Lord, help us to do the best to honor you, to glorify you in all that we say and do. Lord, we find somebody here today to encourage and, and be a blessing to. Father, as we open your word, I pray that you speak to our hearts. Lord, sometimes it's easy just to hear what you want us to do. So I pray that we would each take your word, apply it to our hearts, and that because of what we hear this morning, because of what you do in our hearts, Lord, we would be able to live differently throughout this week. So use this, and we ask your hand upon it. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Uh, for those of you who are with our church family, and for those of you who are just visiting, you should know that we have been in a study on the parables of Jesus Christ uh, for most of this year. We've actually looked at 24 of the parables so far, and uh, if you want to follow any of those, you can listen online and, and go online and listen to any of those messages. But I wanted to continue our series because we still have a ways to go, so... I wanted to just go ahead and continue that idea with one of the parables this morning. A parable is simply an earthly story that Jesus tells that has a heavenly or an eternal dynamic or aspect to it. Often Jesus takes that which is familiar and he uses it to describe something that is unfamiliar. And so often you find Jesus using everyday common things as he will in the parable we're going to look at this morning. So I want to talk to you some, this morning about something that if, if you're not careful, what you're going to have a tendency to do is the second I mention the topic, you're going to turn me off. And I just ask that you would listen to the whole message because I'm going to go in a direction that you probably don't think I'm going to go in. So I ask that you would just hear me out until you get all the way to the end and then make your um, comments or you can tell me off. That's okay too. Uh, but this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk about the issue of wealth. Now, I want to be very specific. I didn't say money. I said wealth. Although often they're interchangeable, we want to focus this morning on the issue actually of wealth. Because I've noticed over the course of time, wealth does funny things to people. And we have a, a parable in which... Uh, Jesus talks about this idea, and again, he doesn't necessarily go in the direction that um, a lot of people think he would go. The parable is found in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13, and here's what it says. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to him, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I will build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Now, 
just give you some background so we understand the story. Jesus is teaching, and there's a whole bunch of people gathered around him, and this guy and his brother are there, and apparently they're not paying much attention. Because this guy actually gets close enough to Jesus to talk one-on-one with Jesus, to ask Jesus a question. This is like a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And this guy makes an amazingly stupid choice. And instead of asking Jesus something really important, this guy looks at Jesus and he says, Jesus, will you tell my brother to give me half the inheritance? And Jesus, it's interesting, when you look at it in the original language, it's almost like Jesus blows off the question. Because Jesus said, who do you think I am? I'm not a judge. I'm not here to judge. I'm here to teach. I don't care about money. Money's no big issue to me. Why in the world are you bringing this up? And then Jesus looks at it, and Jesus decides to go to the heart of the matter. The guy's saying, look, my brother's greedy. I want half. Tell him to give me half. And Jesus addresses the idea of greed because he's, he's trying to get this guy to realize, look, it's not, your brother's not the one that's greedy. You're the one that's greedy. And so Jesus wants to get to look at his heart. So he asks, what do you think my job is? I'm not, this isn't my role. But his role is as a teacher, as a rabbi. So he uses this as an opportunity to teach, and he tells this parable. This guy basically had a great crop. The problem was there was no place to put it. His barns were full. So he decides, the solution to my problem is to tear them down, to build bigger barns so I can store more crop, so I can get to the point in my life where I can sit back, live off of it, take my ease, eat, drink, enjoy life. And Jesus has to address this idea with this guy in this parable. And he wants him to understand this idea that life is not about stuff. Life is about ultimately a relationship, a relationship with God and a relationship with other people. In fact, what's fascinating is if you'll go home and you will read the rest of Luke chapter 12 after this story, Jesus actually talks about the idea of we as Christians, as his followers, we really don't have anything to worry about. And he deals with this issue of worry and fear and anxiety and all of those things that are so prevalent in our culture right now. But I want to go back to this parable, and I want to make sure we're really clear on a couple of things. This parable does not condemn wealth. It does not condemn success. It does not condemn planning. It doesn't condemn the enjoyment of wealth. Other passages make, make, make very clear that those concepts, given in the right context, are okay. Uh, when I do marriage counseling um, and a couple's getting ready to get married, one of the sections we talk about is money. And one of the things that I do is I give them a test. I say, you need to understand how you view money. Because most people, in regards to money, they view it as either status, um, security, um, enjoyment, or control. And I explain to couples that often in in marriage, you're going to have marriage issues come up over money. And if you understand, first of all, how you see money, and you understand how your spouse sees money, it will help you as you try to navigate some of those issues that come up in marriage. So, for instance, in our family, um, my wife sees money as security. I see money as enjoyment. So when we get into a discussion, who do you think the spender is and who do you think the saver is? And so in our family, what happens is it took me to understand that she sees money as security. I see it as enjoyment. So in our world, 
If I can show her that financially we're okay, then she's a little bit more open to the idea of spending money for enjoyment. And, and I explain that to a couple. This isn't about condemning those things. This passage is, this parable has a bunch of other implications for us as we walk through it. So let's talk about what some of those lessons specifically are. Here's the first one. Life isn't about your stuff. Um, this guy um, decided to define life by getting his crops, getting his stuff to a point that he was secure enough that everything was okay. One of the things that Jesus teaches in this parable is this idea of don't live for your stuff in this world. Um, if we were to look at this guy in our culture today, we'd, we'd look at him and we'd say he was a, success, a successful businessman. We'd say this guy's made it. He's done what every farmer wants to do to get to a point to be able to kick back. The barns are full. But when Jesus, when God looks at him, he calls him a fool. He says, this guy is foolish. And the reason that he was foolish is because he was only living for this world. He thought that's what life was about. He thought life was about how much he could get in his barn, how much he could get to a point where he could sit back, kick back, and enjoy life. And Jesus says he's fool. He's a fool because he didn't understand that there's something past this world. That this world, the stuff in this world, is going to go to somebody else. It's not going with you. One of the things that I have learned as a pastor and as, a, as, a, as an adult is the idea that, you know, earthly wealth is relative. In 2004, we were able to take one of our first trips to Papua New Guinea to visit one of our missionaries. And at that point, um, kids, this was before digital cameras. They were just coming into play. So a lot of the cameras out then were, were film cameras. And we were able to have a couple of digital cameras with us. And at that point, back in 2004, they were like 200, 250 bucks uh, just for a basic digital camera. When we went to Papua New Guinea, you have to understand that you could take your arm and you could stick your arm out and go in a circle and you would hit, you would hit people constantly because when we were there, they were just fascinated by us and they were just huddled around us everywhere we went. And this was a tribal area. So most of these people lived in huts, had very little... Um, little, little as far as possessions go. You could take that digital camera and you could set that on a stump and you could walk away for three hours and you could come back and that digital camera was still there. But if you took five 16-penny nails and you laid them on a stump and you walked away for two minutes, they were gone. Can you imagine me coming back to America and going, I'm incredibly wealthy, I've got five 16-penny nails in my shed. But yet in their culture, that had value because they could use that to put a piece of tin on their hut. The digital camera was of no worth to them, even though monetarily here in the United States, it was, it was worth a good 250 bucks. And I learned that wealth, depending on the situation and the culture and everything else is relative. And yet we spend so much of our time here making our life about our stuff as if this is all there is to life. One of the things that Jesus teaches in this parable is life isn't about your stuff. Second thing that he talks about is you have to realize that everything you have is a gift from God. See, that's the mistake this guy made. He didn't attribute any of this to God. He sat back, he looked at an abundant crop, and he thought, look at what I've done. I'm successful. It's all about what I have accomplished. And I see this in America. I see this in, in our culture. 
We get this idea that what we have or what we have accumulated or the titles that we have or the things that we have, we're responsible for. We're the ones that made it. We're self-made people. The reality of it is this. You didn't have any choice where you were born. Had you been born in Papua New Guinea, living in a hut, you wouldn't have what you have today. If God didn't give you the IQ that you have, you wouldn't be able to make the decisions that you make. If you were in a situation where your health was limited, you wouldn't be able to do what you did. Everything that you have is a gift from God. Even this guy, the text says, the earth produced the abundance of crops. This guy looked at it as it was his call. He had made the smartest investment in choosing the right seed and watering it and fertilizing it and doing all these things. And he was a successful, quote-unquote, farmer. And you know as well as I do, if it doesn't rain enough, there's not going to be an abundance of crop. You get a hailstorm, there's no abundance of crop. You know as well as I do, if you put together the right genetics to get the right animal and get everything all together, that doesn't mean that it's all about you. They get a disease and it's all over. Your heart stops beating today or you're, you end up with a heart situation and you're not going to be able to do what you do. And we forget this. Everything that we have is a gift. You're here this morning because God has graciously allowed your heart to beat again and again and your lungs to take in air. And we forget that. We start to think it's us and what we've done and how successful we've been and how much we've saved and managed this and done all of that. And the problem with this guy is he thought it was all about his success. And Jesus says, what a fool. He didn't put God anywhere in the equation. Which brings us kind of to the last idea. Jesus says, you really want to be wealthy? You need to be rich in the things of God. You need to understand that true wealth is sourced in a relationship with God and in a relationship in abusing your life and your ability for God and not yourself. You know, how you view the future often determines what you do in the present. We all make choices every day on how to invest our lives. This guy focuses on wealth or riches, earthly riches over relationship. I mean, his brother's standing right there. And rather than, and you have watched this, many of you are old enough to have seen this. You have watched how when somebody passes away and there's a will or there's an inheritance lifted, list uh, involved, that all of a sudden you see families just split up because so-and-so didn't get this and so-and-so didn't get this. And so This guy isn't concerned about his relationship with his brother. He's concerned about getting half the inheritance. That's all he cares about. It's about his stuff. It's about the money. And Jesus looks at him and says, you're, you're foolish. You're making it about stuff that doesn't matter in the end. In fact, Jesus brings out the point in the parable, when you die, what's going to happen to all of it? It's just going to go, that's a reason we have auctions. Is all of a sudden this stuff that had value, all of a sudden now everybody else gets determined whether or not it's valuable. And he said, you know, look, you're not taking it with you. So he looks at this issue, he says, the guy who's really wealthy is the guy who has, is wealthy in the things of God. He's wealthy towards God, not just towards. And, and I know people, I know people who have an incredible amount of earthly wealth. And they are also rich in the things of God. 
They understand these principles that everything they have is a gift. They understand these principles that it's not about them. And so they try to use their life and their resources to invest it in things that are past them. And I know people who are poor, who are living paycheck to paycheck, or even less than paycheck to paycheck. And they're some of the richest people that I know because of their relationship and their walk with Jesus Christ. And I want to challenge you this morning because we often forget this idea that there is a world past this. And the world here, even if you live to be 80, 90 years old, the world here is short when you compare it to eternity. Life is about relationships. First and foremost, a relationship with God. Two questions, two passages, I think, that best illustrate this is that we have a responsibility to be rich towards the things of God. Jesus, when he was here, said it this way, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? What does it profit if he has everything you can have, but yet there's no relationship with God? Paul said it this way, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for our sakes, he became poor. That you, through his poverty, might become rich. God, who owned the cattle on a thousand hills, who owned it all, came to this world to die on a cross and humble himself and take on your sin and my sin so that we could be rich in the things of God. And if you're here this morning and you maybe are like that fool, where you're thinking it's all about here and now. I want to challenge you. There's a world past this. And if you're not rich in your relationship with Jesus Christ, if you don't have that relationship, then you will be poor for all of eternity. Salvation, I like what one person said, it's as simple as your alphabet and the ABCs. You come to a point where you admit that you're a sinner. You realize that there's nothing you can do. You can't go to church enough. You can't give enough. You can't pray enough. You can't do enough. You can't jump through enough hoops to earn your way into heaven. The Bible and Jesus Christ are explicitly clear about that. And you have to come to a point that you realize it is only by God's grace that you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So as John 3.16 says, you believe that. For God so loved the world that all, for God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but has everlasting, eternal, rich, full life. And finally, you come to a point that you confess that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. We have a church, and I have friends and neighbors who are rich in the things of God because they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of them have money, some of them don't. It doesn't matter because the bottom line is when they leave this world, they leave it all behind, but they go on to a world in which they have a rich treasure in Christ. It's our prayer as a church, it's my prayer as a pastor, that everyone, understand this very clearly. Because when your heart beats for the last time, when you take your last breath, there won't be another opportunity. 
This is the only time you get to make this decision is while you're here. So if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to understand every breath you take is the grace of God giving you another opportunity to trust him. You may possess earthly riches, but if you're not rich in the things of God, you are poor in the world to come. And it is our prayer that everyone understands that. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, then the bulletin is specific. It goes through all kinds of detail. There's all kinds of people here who will talk to you and tell their story. We had six people last week in church tell their story about what God had been doing in their lives. It was incredible. It was a great service. And they gave their testimonies, and most of us were in tears. And seeing what God did, because they came to a point where they became rich in the things of God. And that is our prayer. So I close this morning with this idea. Jesus reminds us that life is short, and the life invested in this world is a foolish way to live. Real wealth is possessed by people who are trusting Christ in the world to come. People who invest and spend their lives on things that impact eternity are rich towards God. So invest your life in something that outlasts your time in this world. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for being letting us be here. Thanks for your word. Thanks for stories, Lord, that are applicable to our lives. Lord, may each of us, regardless of our economic status, be able to walk from this place knowing we are rich because of our faith and trust and relationship with you. And Lord, if there's some here who have not made that decision, Lord, may today be a turning point for them. May today be a point where they realize that there is so much more past this world. And that, Lord, they can live life here knowing that they are prepared for it. So, Lord, again, thanks for the day. May you continue to guide, direct, and work in each of our lives. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's close, and we're going to stand and sing. Uh, is it trusting? Yeah, okay, good. I remembered it. Let's stand together and sing.